Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bacor. This is episode 29, recorded on November 19th, 2021. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show. My name is Kenneth Bocor, your host, as you heard. Thanks very much for taking the time to listen in to an always good episode of my audio podcast because it's not just me talking for 10, 15, 20 minutes like I do in the YouTube videos. I always get smart, engaging, knowledgeable, handsome people too sometimes. And I have one of those gentlemen today, my good friend, Mr. Andrew McCready from uh, he's been in the automotive industry. I can't believe for 20 years, Andrew, you've got to be pulling my chain there from consumer oriented road tests to new vehicle launches. This guy has done it all. Technolo- technological deep dives like he's really the expert. He kind of, you know, is my mentor mentor that I follow and try to mimic as much as I can. Uh, Even my receding hairline is slowly catching up to him. Uh, In the past decade, he's increasingly focused on electric vehicles. Smart guy. He saw the future. And hes you've heard him on his podcast from Post Media called Plugged In. And I've had the honor to be on his uh, every year on his show for four seasons. And I know that he'll be doing a fifth season soon. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, Ken. That was a very, very flattering introduction. I don't think I've ever had one like that. And good thing this doesn't have visuals because I think your handsome (laughs) comment might go to uh, some of your viewers at the time would take you to task. But thank you. good. Everybody's Googling you right now and looking for your promo shots. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's there. Well, listen, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know it's hectic for you and uh, for all of us to talk to me for a bit. I wanted to put the shoe on the other foot this time because I've been on your excellent show for four seasons and I am looking forward to season five, hopefully in 2022. Question mark. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to happen in the new year for sure. Beautiful. I look forward to that. It's been great episodes. I've listened to them all. You've covered a wide range of guests and, and industries as I try to branch out to that, that thinking as well. Um, but I thought I'd have you on my show so that I could pick your brain because you kind of started, you know, you've been in the automotive industry a heck of a lot longer than I have. I've been following yet. So before we get into some of the EV stuff, I wanted to just get your sense of how have you, what's your personal take on on the switch in the auto industry? I mean, we haven't fully gone over to EVs yet, but you know, you're a car guy, you start, you, you come from horsepower and torque and, and driving sensibility size. What's your biggest kind of takeaway over the last, since you've been starting to follow the EVs in the last two or three years? Well, I mean, it's been a slow process, I think, you know, when I first drove the first kind of production EV that I drove was the Nissan Leaf first generation, probably 2010. I would have thought 11 years later, we'd be further along in terms of the number of models. I mean, we're we're on the precipice, it seems, of a lot of new models coming. And by a lot, I mean dozens. Um, So I would have thought we would have been here five years ago. But I think that was just maybe the enthusiasm of kind of getting swept away by the technology and the possibility of the technology and thinking, this is great. Let's all go. But of course, the world doesn't always, the world is a complicated place. And um, particularly when it comes to building and selling cars. So um, it's happening, but it hasn't happened as quickly as I thought it would. Interesting comment. I totally agree with you in looking back. Now, I have read some articles that have commented that we're kind of, the analysts think of that we're at an inflection point in the EV landscape where we've had this you know, bit of an up curve, this uptake, and then we're kind of in this downward trough before the next wave. And, you know, I don't want to use waves because we're in these COVID waves all the time, but that's kind of the way it is. Do you agree with that? Do you kind of see we're at that point right now? I do. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. I think, you know, to me, the automakers have kind of fulfilled their end of the bargain 
And what that is to do is to bring electric vehicles to market, or at least put billions of dollars into research and development of these vehicles to bring them to market. I think it's kind of, they've done their part. They've produced these cars. They're coming here. We can buy them. Now it's the next part. It's, it's governments, it's um, municipalities, it's charging networks, it's private public sectors. I think that's the part now that everybody needs to push on. The vehicle, the hardware is here. It's the, it's the governance and, and the ability to build charging stations and even incentives, rebates, whatever you want to call it. That is the thing that I think that will take us out of that trough. Exactly. Plus, of course, we talked about it just before I pressed the record button, the, the supply chain. So I know that at the beginning of this year, when you and I talked back in March, I guess, time frame, wow, time flies. Um, we were optimistic that, you know, EVs would be flowing a little bit more f- fluidly that, that they are today. Um, what's your sense? Of, I mean, obviously, we, we couldn't have predicted what, what's gone on in the supply chain. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, we couldn't. I mean, this has been two years of uh, kind of body blows, first COVID and now the chip shortage. Um, and who knows what's next? Hopefully nothing. Um yeah, I mean, I was on a panel a couple of days ago with some very smart Canadian industry people saying they see this chip shortage lasting well into 2022. One gentleman even said 2024 until we return to kind of where we were before this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a scary prospect. Uh, demand for cars is really huge right now, as everybody kind of probably knows, not just electric cars, but, but cars in general. New cars are very hard to come by. Um, used car prices are going up. So, you know, I wish I had a crystal ball to say when we're going to get out of this. But I mean, what you're seeing now is manufacturers starting to produce cars without some of the features that require these chips. BMW has come out with a whole, you know, um, three series, and I believe five series with no touchscreens. That's how you buy the car now. It doesn't have a touchscreen. If you want one, we don't have the chips. We can't give you a touchscreen. And amazingly, that can't be retrofitted. Mm-hmm. In other words, in two years, when the chips show up, you can't take it to the dealer and he's going to pop one and it's going to work. So, you know, it's it's an interesting time because we're so used to technology just marching forward. Maybe this is kind of a bit of a wake-up t- call to say maybe we don't need all these chips in a car. Maybe, you know, we could we could get away with having less things. But consumers don't seem to like that idea. They want more. So, yeah. um, the, the, you know... The demand is there. Um, It's just a question of when everything falls in line production-wise to catch up with it. Yeah, we've opened Pandora's box when it comes to technology. It's kind of almost no turning back. And uh, but you're right; that's an interesting way that auto some automakers are confronting the situation today is by doing what they can. And what you mentioned about legislations and policies and things. I mean, we've seen that with you know after our Canadian federal election earlier this year, we've seen the Liberals come out with a strong platform, you know, supporting environmental. Uh, uh, you know, it's really getting on the bandwagon and saying, look, we've got to hit our, our targets. And, and one of the important ways is through electrification in the automotive industry. So, you know, we're pretty lucky Canadians that you know, there's a lot of policies in place. Now, provincially, that's another story. We all have, you've got a much better situation where you are in BC than I do here in Ontario, but it's an election year and promises are starting to come out in the open now. Uh, so hopefully that that will, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, from that. Um when we when we talked in March, you had mentioned that you know 2021 was going to be the year that we wrestled COVID to the ground, and I think for all intents purposes we've done that. I mean, we're going to get these blips, up and down blips, and it's going to be, if it isn't already the normal way of of existing in life, you know, on and off with boosters and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be part of our regime moving forward. Um, and, and but you also mentioned a year of EVs that gained significant toehold, and I I totally agree with you. Um, when you said that earlier, there has been a huge mind shift in car buyers, and and you've seen that as well in in everybody that you talk to, correct? For sure, no question. I mean, you and I have talked about it anecdotally that you know the number of people that find out what we do for a living, the, what they'll tell us is, oh, my next car is going to be an EV. I mean, they say it so matter of factly that it just if you, if you kind of get enough of that, you just think, boy, this inflection points here. But in reality, I think once they actually go to order one, once they start to look into it, there's still trepidation. So I'm not sure what will be the tipping point for the majority of people to make the jump. 
And you're segueing into the next point I was going to make without even practicing. We haven't rehearsed this, folks. This is an idea. I was going to just say, you know, looking back at the major tipping points, you know, I do a, a an EV 101 kind of presentation for, I do a lot of public outreach. And um, uh, the, there's two tipping points that I kind of talk about. One is the Model 3 reveal from Tesla because of the visibility that that brought to the marketplace when, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, like 100,000 people, you know, put in a thousand bucks before that before they even aired the reveal stood in line for two days i mean that's never happened in the automotive industry right maybe the 64 and a half mustang is the only closest thing that had some sort of uptake but it was a different type of environment that just that i think that shone a light in the industry for the oem saying wake up smell the coffee evs are real if you do it right look what can happen and then you know Tesla Model 3 is still the leading all-electric vehicle globally. You know, they'll sell, I don't know, 500,000 of them or something this year, which is remarkable. The number one uh, luxury uh, vehicle in the U.S., if I'm not mistaken. Uh, They've overtake everybody. So there's that. And then you and I talked about, and you brought up that the F-150 lightning reveal was a tipping point. And I very much agree because that, again, brought it now to another uh, market of consumers that would never have thought of electrification a very, uh, you know, the, the workforce kind of marketplace, right? Is there another tipping point? Do you see that we need another tipping point in this industry? Thinking about those well, last two, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, the tipping point, you know, what what is, so, so let's just talk about electric cars in terms of, of the needs of people. If you live in an urban setting and you need a city car, there is no reason why you shouldn't buy an electric car. They, I mean, the minimum they're getting now is 200 kilometers, and the average ones are probably upwards of 400 kilometers on a full charge range. So there's no reason not to get one. The thing that still keeps people away from them is the fact that you go on a road trip and there's going to be time spent charging, difficulty finding chargers, perhaps um, busyness with chargers. So, you know, I don't know if that's a vehicle. I mean, it. I guess it might be a vehicle if you could get one with 800 kilometers. I mean, maybe that will be it. But I think it's the price point now. I think that's mm-hmm. where OEMs are going to start shaving things down. I mean, Musk has, Musk has talked about for years now a $20,000 um, EV, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Model A, the Model A of the EV revolution. Um, mm-hmm. That certainly would be a big deal. But I just think it's, a, you know, as we talked about, you know, it's taken 11 years to get here. I think it's going to be a quicker march, but it's going to be not as quick as we think. I think it's just going to be chipping away 5% a year, 10% a year, mm-hmm. and it's going to slowly increase that suddenly we turn around and 60 or to 70% of the vehicles on the road are EVs. Totally agree with you. This switch over to EVs is is a decades process. I mean, internal combustions right. aren't going away overnight, as some people, right. <clears throat> Tony Sebas of the world, claim that they were all driving EVs in twenty twenty five. I'd love it to happen, right. but the reality is, yeah. you buy you buy a nice vehicle today, you're hoping to get ten years out of that vehicle, and they're built to last exactly. ten years, right? So, right, right, you know, right. and you know the size of the global fleet out there, fifteen billion or something like that, light duty vehicles yep, that's, that's right. out there. That's right. Um, I'm pulling numbers out of here, folks, and they happen to be correct. I'm doing all right. <laughs> Better go buy my lotto numbers. But uh, so it is a long, we got a long wait to, to replace the fleet, but we got to start. And, you, you know, you, your we words do. of chipping away, I think, are totally accurate that we'll continue to and see, I, you know, more happen. Right. And I think what it is, is the urban areas will be the ones that fill in first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tragically, as many of your listeners have known in BC in the last week, we've had a torrential yeah. downpour. We had a snowpack that was bigger than average. We had warm weather, so everything melted and just the came down. We had smoke. washouts, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. fires this summer. That the soil. And, you know, what? Mm-hmm. even the fire got me thinking in Lytton. You know, if, if all, let's say it was 20 years in the future and everybody had EVs. That could be a problem in rural areas. You know, if you suddenly wake up in Merritt and you're flooded out and you had just come home from a night shift, plugged your EV in, and you've only got 30K on it charged, that's a problem. You can't just suddenly, you know, if you had a copper, if you had a gas car, you just run to the gas station, fill up, and then head to Kelowna, head to Kamloops, which are the areas these people have been directed to when they evacuated. Mm-hmm. If everybody's got EVs, that's, that's suddenly a problem. You know, mm-hmm. so I think these are the kind of things that we're going to have to think through to to get to the point where somebody can be comfortable living in a rural area with an electric vehicle only and feeling a little vulnerable in a sense. 
But in that, uh, you're exactly correct. I mean, there's one good thing out of that is that EVs can go through water a little better than internal combustion to a point. They can. And then then another, you know, know, so so I've been kind of, I've been kind of riffing on that idea thinking, okay, well, wait a minute, but you know, maybe hydrogen is the solution because you can fill Mm. up quickly. But, Mm -hmm. but then on the inverse of that is, I don't know if some of your listeners have heard, but there's been a bit of a gas gasoline shortage in some areas of British Columbia, mostly Mm -hmm. through hoarding. The supply chain, no question is cut off. Um, but there's enough fuel to last a few weeks. But people are filling up and there's, you know, this kind of panic buying. So suddenly if you have an electric car, that doesn't matter to you. So right. that's kind of the inverse of it is a way, as long as you've got electricity, you're going to be okay. You don't care about the gas lines, the yeah. gas. So, so you know, there, there, there are all these kind of things that are real life things that you don't really think about are connected to electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. But in fact, they are. So I think the urban areas will be the ones that there'll be huge adoption. And we're seeing that already. I mean, not huge, but that's where the adoption is. Mm-hmm. And then it's slowly kind of like a, like a ring throwing a pebble in a, in a, in a pond, the ring of thing effect will go out as solutions are found. I totally agree again. And uh, you know, on that note about the adoption, I mean, I got a lot of people that say, well, I live in a condo or I'm, I'm way out in the country. Okay. But taking those people aside, it still leaves yeah. a marketplace of consumers in the millions in Canada alone. No question. That, that no have question. a garage or that have an outside plug or that could plug a vehicle on the outside, you know, in, right. in a laneway of some sort, not necessarily yeah. even street parking. So there is a big market to go after right away before we even kind of branch out there. So I totally agree with you right. there. Not to diss people that live in the country or anything like that. But right. if that's a concern, then let, you know, get the people that, that could do this much easier. Totally agree with you. Right, and that is, that, that is valid. I mean, but mm-hmm. but unfortunately, when you get in discussions with people, particularly with people that maybe are, I won't say anti-EV, yep. but, a, but kind of skeptical of the whole thing, they'll throw these things out to you, right? They'll say, oh, yep. I live in an apartment, or I don't have, I have street parking. Well, we're not there yet for you. But yep. as you say, there's millions of people with garages that can charge cars right now. So those will be the ones that fill in first, and then slowly mm-hmm. but surely, it will uh, find solutions as we go on. Because I do believe, you know, when it comes to EVs, when it comes to climate change, human beings are pretty smart. And when faced with a crisis, even though, you know, we're not as, as uh, you know, we don't face things until they're right in our face. I think we will. We're smart enough as a species to find solutions to these things. Certainly hope so. We have a lot of young people looking up to us to, 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 to do that and continue it. Um, I did want to though bring in some let's talk about some positives. I mean, this year hasn't been all bad. I mean, we've we've been able to kind of come out of covid we're still going through it but you know looking back at my notes here i mean we've got now i keep this sheet of of evs that are available for sale in canada and when i do my public speaking and stuff i always bring this up i do and people ask me to look at it and i I even give it out we have we have 15 oems here in canada uh, that have a total of 26 models between them that are all available to buy maybe one or one or two of those models are like kind of pre-orders now, like the Ionic five and uh, another model, but you know, that, that that's a lot. I mean, you said 10 years yeah. ago, there wasn't much. And even a couple of years ago, there wasn't, <laughs> there was still kind of slim pickings. Uh, we've come a right. long way this year. No question. No question. And as you know, LA auto show a couple of days ago, we saw even more coming down the pipeline. I mean, auto shows today, gasoline vehicles, apart from maybe a big supercharged truck, don't get much play at all. I mean, all these OEMs, all the automakers are what they're bringing, what their shiny new um, things are, are electric vehicles. So um, as I said, there are so many in the pipeline and just about to, you know, come to us that I think your list is going to grow exponentially in the next, next couple of years. I was thinking about that the other day that I might not have time to keep this list up to date anymore because it's a lot of work to go check out all these websites. But, you know, we we had, we talked about this in March, you know, we had the Bolt EUV come in. Now, even though the Bolts have had some hiccups with the recalls, the positive side is that all these owners are going to get brand new battery packs, or if uh, the worst case is they're going to get it fixed with a brand new warranty. So they're all going to come in on the positive side. Uh, And they are a great car. I talked to somebody yesterday. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say that one is such a shame because that is such a fantastic car. And it's so unfortunate that happened and they will make, they make, and I know that you really liked it when we talked about it, you said that was probably your most, your most uh, impressed one you've seen for a while. 
Yeah, just from an overall value. I mean, it's the second lowest right. price car in in Canada from a from an all electric next, just slightly ahead of the lease the Nissan Leaf, which dropped their price to just go below the Bolt LT <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of you know about a month or so ago. Uh, you know, the Mustang yeah. Mach E came in and has made a nice impression. You know, uh, the Ionic yep. Five, as we talked about, it's still not being delivered. It's almost coming here, but we've got pricing now. We've got they've yep. priced it right in that federal grant. Uh, bubble, which is beautiful for a nice car. You've yep. seen it. I've seen it. Um, the Polestar 2. I know you love that vehicle. I did finally have yep. a chance to drive it uh, last month, uh, just just a day. And it was the single motor version, but I, it was a great vehicle. Yep. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, the XC40 recharged. I've had a, I spent a week with that. And boy, I'll tell you, that's uh, it's a really nice vehicle. You've, you've had some time with that too. And the yeah, ID4. Yeah, B- B- I was going to say the yeah. VW ID4, which is here now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, again, one of the yeah. most, I think that's one of the top value picks, I would say. Just when you right. over, look at the overall package that you get from Volkswagen, size, roominess, performance, yeah. range, and price point, um, ID4 is a really good value for a lot of people. Yeah, no question. And then, you know, the, the one vehicle that I've been waiting five years for is the Nissan Area. Ah, yes. You know, finally, finally, Nissan, who were the trailblazers for the the, the mm-hmm. mainstream OEMs and EVs, kind of got got caught sleeping in my regard. As they just they just yeah. I, I would have thought they would have been the first ones to come up with a second with an SUV, CUV, whatever. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing catch up. But I still think the Nissan area, when it gets here, hopefully in the spring, um, is going to be a very impressive vehicle too. Hope so too. Pricing's been announced in the U.S. We haven't seen Canadian costing yet, but. Um, it's a little higher than we had hoped for. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll get one model in and under the federal, uh, maybe at one or two trim levels on. But I agree. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, now, we've we've kicked around the LA Auto Show comment a couple of times. So let's dive into that because that's recent. I mean, a lot of neat stuff coming from LA Auto Show. Boy, those South Koreans, again, they're just ramping up. They're <laughs> continuing to push with their pledge of, you know, having yeah. 11 or so models by within the last few, next few years. Kia with the EV6 just recently, and now the EV9 concept. What do you think of that? that? Well, I think it's a testimony to this whole concept of the, um, the skateboard architecture, right? The, uh, the idea that you have this, this platform with batteries and four wheels, and you can drop all different kinds of body styles on it. So the EV6, as you mentioned, is part of their EGMP architecture. That's Kia's. Um, and essentially, you know, that's the, same, that's the same platform as the Ionic 5 in Hyundai. So all you need to do is start dropping these bodies on. So these things are going to come out rolling fast. When they do say they'll have 11 by 2026, I don't doubt them. And as you say, they're bringing these things to market, or at least to shows. And I think GM, when their Ultium platform is there, they'll be doing the same thing. So um, I think we need to get used to that, that this, this skateboard architecture platform is, is a real, um, I won't say game changer, but it, it just allows manufacturers to roll out different looking vehicles much quicker than in the past. Agreed. And these vehicles, because of that platform, um, <clears throat> I think I've talked about this on one of your shows before, excuse me, that, you know, that the old cab Ford concept from Chrysler way back when, where you get exactly. much more of an interior space to play with. And there's so much more you can do. I mean, you look at the, uh, the, the EV, uh, the, the Ionic seven concept that just came out, even the EV nine, they talk about this lounge seating because they're, they're thinking ahead about when the cars are fully autonomous, that you can turn your seat around and look at the guy behind you and play poker <laughs> on a table or something like that. Now it's, that's not how they're going to come initially, but they're thinking about that. Right. And they have right. the platform gives, gives the OEMs the ability to do that. Yep. I think another real story out of LA, um, Toyota, uh, partnering with Subaru, you know, Toyota is obviously one of the biggest makers in the world. Um, they've taken a lot of criticism for being so late to the EV game. They, mm-hmm. they, they blazed the hybrid trail, you know, 21 years ago with the Prius. Yeah. Um, yet they've never really um, invested wholly into EV technology. They have done hydrogen, but EV. So they're finally coming out with one, the BZ4X. I don't like the name, but you know, maybe it means something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then, but then they're teaming with Subaru, which is such a small player, but but has such a passionate uh, um, fan base. Mm-hmm. The Solterra, which is really interesting, right? So once you start to see these guys coming in, Mazda now has one. Mazda never had one. Honda still has that crazy licking Civic thing that 
nobody really understands and hopefully Europe, they bring yeah. some <laughs> yeah right but so so that is to me is you know the kias and the hyundai's of the world we expect them to bring things but, but when subaru comes out with one yeah. you're thinking ha you know here we go everybody even the niche players are starting to develop and 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 invest in evs and that isn't going to go away so that just kind of fills out the the edges of the of the of the automotive world it's a great point andrew because uh as you said subaru as an example has an extremely loyal base for like jeep does you know that same kind of mentality right and there's right and and there's another example of one mm -hmm. that's coming jeep you know the magneto concept that's right and you put you put electric into these vehicles and you realize the capabilities that that they have i mean we 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 talked about Rivian a couple of times on your show. Uh, you know, never mind their market cap and and which is ballooned <laughs> yeah. a little bit, softened a yeah. little bit now. But um, you know, <laughs> the confidence is there. And if you've seen some of the videos of the truck going through these nasty four by four places, you know, with ease, it just it's got to awaken that culture to say, wow, like this stuff can really right. perform. Yeah, and and that reminds me, I was at the Munich Auto Show in September, and um, Mercedes, you know, unveiled a bunch of stuff. Um, I drove their big sedan, the EQS, there for only about forty minutes, but it was very impressive. But oh, I'm jealous. You know, there was there there was an audible gasp when they rolled out an all electric G wagon, right? Really, like a Lendis wagon, Mm -hmm. you know. So for production, and there was there was that I think, as you say so correctly, is there's this light bulb go on people that think. Well, these are the vehicles I like, and they're never going to be electric. Well, you know what? They're they are going to be electric, and they're going to be better than the gasoline models in many ways. So, we're not just talking about Nissan Leafs and Tesla threes anymore, right? We're talking about any segment, any kind of looking vehicle, any capability can be electric. Totally agree. And you mentioned the Mazda with the MX-30. I'll be getting one in a couple of weeks to spend a week with. And I did have a chance to drive that on the track here at Canadian Tire during the Ajax Tech Fest, which I went out to and nice. had, uh, spent a day. So I got a first look at that. Um, so again, everybody's getting to it. Then you've got the startups. Well, not really startups. I mean, Fisker's been around for a while. They've had yep. some good cars. He's a smart guy. Now they've really peeled off the layers on the ocean. I know three or four people locally in my area that have, have orders for the Fisker product. They're so yeah. excited. Again, yeah. I don't think they're going to make a huge impact, but it gets more eyeballs on the industry. Right, right. Unique vehicles, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the kind of uh, exotics almost that, that people like, but maybe without a price tag of a Ferrari and things. Um, exactly. And obviously, as you know, there's there's some kind of new countries coming into the fold. Yeah, well, it's a good segue. Again, you're, we're following the script without even thinking about it. So VinFast, and <laughs> that's a company that actually that I talked about early this year, and I got such a great response on YouTube from comments and people that they're passionate about and proud that this Vietnamese company is you know expanding out to North America with uh, with products they've announced. A couple of their models, the VF E35, I think a 36, a couple of, you know, smaller SUV, like a Model Y, and then a big one, like a 767 passenger. What do you think about these guys? I know that they still have some cash. I mean, they got to kind of solidify some capital, but they seem well-intentioned. Well, you know, and they do, they're, they're, I mean, you might call them a startup, but they've actually been building vehicles in Vietnam for BMW. Mm-hmm. So they certainly, you know, if BMW is going to take them on as a, as a, as a factory, they can build product. They can build good product. So I wouldn't discount them. Um, I think what, what you see with the EV world is the realization that you don't need billions and billions of dollars and huge infrastructure to build these vehicles. If you buy motors, batteries off the shelf, you're just essentially building you know, a platform of a car and the body of the car. So it really opens it up to... to to, to many, many players and many of them regional, which is a really neat idea, right? I mean, Canada has mm-hmm. talked about having a local automaker um, mm-hmm. build cars just for Canada. And there's no reason that can't happen. Totally agree. I was just on the radio the other day talking about, you know, the Ford plan to boost EVs and, and bring, you know, the EV sector into the auto sector here in Ontario. 
Um, when I looked fact checking, uh, you know, I didn't realize that we build about a million four vehicles a year here in Southern Ontario. We have five of the major OEMs that have plants here. So there's a lot of production, never mind all the spin-off, uh, Linamars and all these other guys of the world, Magnus that have all this other stuff for the supply chain. It's it's a, a huge economic boost to the, to not just Ontario, but to cross Canada. Yeah, no question. Unfortunately, our, our friends to the south are <laughs> playing yeah. hardball politics um, with, you know, for their domestic market, which could impact us. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. we can work that out as we always seem to have done with our American friends. So that's yeah. concerning. But on the other hand, um, you have to think that the relationship we've had with them for, and the, and the, for, for, you know, over a century and the, and the relationship we continue to have will, will not impact our ambitions to be EV makers and, and battery makers and things like that. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, I think the long term, it, it, it's not as serious as maybe we should pretend it is. Um, it's a big market, right? Uh, I think that, you know, the Canadian market is about what, 2 million in a good year units L- yeah. LVD. And I think the US is what, 40 million. I'm trying to remember what that number is, or is that just California alone? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a big number. So there's a lot of there's a lot of room for multiple players, and you know this EV uh, additional EV incentive that's in the infrastructure bill that's been passed is for you know union made American made vehicles. It's an uplift that a lot of people may not. It's not everybody's going to take advantage of that because they're going to look for a car or a vehicle that they want. So I think there's room to maneuver. We just kind of kind of get over the hump there, and I think you know we still need to make those investments though to help the transition here locally. Yeah, and your premier is is really thrown his um, financial subsidy weight behind the corporate side of things and saying, you know, they're they're there to train workers. The, the government will help train workers. The government will help um, entice companies to come there through I don't know what it would be tax breaks or, or existing programs they have to help. So I think it's great they're helping the corporate side. I would love to see them also help the the individual consumer side with a bit of a rebate but you know that's again yeah. political ideology which is but as you say it's an election yeah. year and stranger things have happened and folks know that neither of our two shows if you listen to them we don't talk politics well we skirt okay. around well, politics but we'll throw it out there it's you're, difficult you're, not to it's i know i know to. because it's such an integral part to the revolution yeah. act for sure it is um yeah. you mentioned about the the u.s stuff and and i just you know saw the uh, the video this week of gm opening their factory zero which a lot of people may gloss over that but i just want to stress how important that is because that is a milestone for gm and if there's any of the players beyond tesla take tesla out of the equation for a sec that are really putting a stick in the ground on the all-electric future, it's those guys. Because they're the only ones that I'm aware of that have actually said by 2035, they put a flag to say by such and such a date, we're going to stop building internal combustion. Now, if that happens, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. But they seem to be serious. And this Factory yeah. Zero you know, was a, was a reconversion of their Detroit um, uh, Hamtramck plant, assembly plant. I never say that word right. I don't know why. Hamtramck. Hamtramck, that's it. And uh, you know, and they, it cost them less than they thought. It, it, it was converted yeah. faster and it cost them a lot less. Boy, what a bonus there, right? As opposed to buying Greenfield. So what does that what does that say to the whole industry? Well, I think it's it's just part it's just part of the bigger picture of of sustainability, of of carbon neutral, whatever you want to call it. I think that that's you know, we can build the vehicles that don't have emissions. Now it's a question of actually building them without emissions in the mm-hmm. process. So um you know, I think it's it's you might pay up front for the investment, but in the long run, you're going to save money. And it's I don't think it's virtual virtue signaling. I think they're 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 not they're not being cynical about doing this. I think they're they're actually they crunch the numbers and realize in 20 years there's going to be a profit margin on making vehicles this way that they don't have currently. And you mentioned Germany earlier. I mean. You know, I know that the Zwickau plant, when it converted, I mean, it was, it's got a hundred year legacy history in internal yeah, combustion vehicles right. prior to this. So these are big things that people maybe again, gloss over, but these are big deals for the OEMs when you start seeing this kind of stuff happen. And I know in the U.S., it's a big battle right now. You've got Georgia, you've got Tennessee, you've got Kentucky. They're all waving yeah. these big carrots to all the OEMs. Hey, come build here. Look what we'll give yeah. you. You know, I'll give you three kings and a, and a queen, you know, uh, for, right. for building something. We've got a workforce. I mean, that's, you know, it's a totally different attitude now. 
Yep. And also, I mean, one of the bigger pictures is the energy source for these factories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I think the Mexican auto industry is uneasy about because yeah. if you want to be carbon neutral when you produce things, you can't be getting your electric power from coal plants or gas-fired plants. Mm-hmm. Quebec and BC, with their excessive amounts of hydro, are really well-positioned to say to automakers, battery makers, you set up a plant here and suddenly your electricity isn't even a worry because it's it's not a it's not a negative to your carbon neutral stance. Mm-hmm. So huge opportunities with us um, in Canada um, and, and some bad news possibly for some of the places that took jobs away from our unions 20, 30 years ago. Exactly. No, I, I agree with that statement. It's, it's the, definitely the world is changing. One last automaker I wanted to briefly mention before we start wrapping up was Lucid with, you know, they started deliveries of their air, the dream air product, but their air product, beautiful vehicle. I look forward to eventually seeing that at some point in time. Um, How much of an impact do you think they'll make on the industry? I'm not the guy to ask that question. I have such a problem with the Bollingers. I've been going to auto shows for years and it seems like I've been seeing the same display for 10 years with the same guys with the same literature. I wish them well. I hope it happens. Um, You know, so many of them come to the, so many of them come to the precipice, Nicola, um, Lordstown, and it just falls apart. So I'm skeptical and maybe I shouldn't be, I'm still skeptical about Rivian despite their huge valuation on the, on the open market. Um, but you know, I was skeptical about Tesla 11 years ago and and they certainly continue to prove me wrong every day. So they do lucid. I love the, as you say, the cars are beautiful. The vehicles are beautiful. There's lots of buzz. Um, it's priced high, which Mm -hmm. maybe is as, as you said, kind of like the Fisker, there's going to be a small audience that really love it. Yep. And it becomes a very desirable car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a high price vehicle, but they seem to be doing things right. And, you know, Lucid's at least yeah. brought something. I did want to quickly peel the on, the layers back on that Rivian onion, because I know that that statement is going to get people going, what do you mean? Because um, I've, I've had a few people reach out to me this week and talk about that over evaluation. And my thought yeah. is that I think you and I could agree that based on what we know about Rivian and what we've heard publicly, it's safe to say that, you know, we know the Amazon order. They've got 20% ownership by Amazon, 12% by Ford. That's good. Amazon's yeah. at least committed 100,000 of these vans, probably more, but it, that's the first order. Reservations for the R1T and R1S publicly, I, th- I think I heard around 45 or 50,000, which seemed low to me. So I would double that number just to play it safe. I think they've got a six-figure book already on that back order on yeah. those. So if you look at an average sale price of the Amazon one, it's probably like 50K US. That's 5 billion. If you look at the uh, the other ones, if it's if they have 100,000 at 70K, that's 7 billion. That's 15 billion. Even double it, just to be optimistic, because there's the platform OEM or, or outsource that they can do. There's what, who knows what's going on behind the scenes with Ford and other places. So let's double it to 30 billion. I don't know where they get 120 to 140 billion dollar valuation from. Do you? Speculation, <laughs> right? It's all the people that missed out on Tesla. It's all yeah. the people out on Tesla. That's a Rivian lot of speculation, along. though, man. It is with one that, plant. That, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, you know, you just the line that gets me, it's a Rivian's a 12 year old startup with no revenue. Yeah. And it's currently the third most valuable car maker in the world. I know. Amazing times behind Toyota and Tesla. Mm-hmm. And even the fact Tesla is in there. But that's so so that to me just, you know, it doesn't pass the smell test with, for me. Yeah. But we don't live we don't live in the world as it was 50 years ago where you have to have things now. It's, right. It's um, the promise of things. And and you're correct. I mean, the fact that Amazon and Ford are invested in them gives credence to the fact that they're not just, just it's not vaporware that's just going to disappear. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I think the Amazon, as you say, the Amazon contract is key to them. And who's to say they just, because the trucks are going to be expensive. And um, I'm still not sold on the fact that you can sell hundred $150,000 electric EVs trucks and you're going to have a market i I can't see that i think that's why it was so smart with ford to come up with the lightning which is kind of the the stripped model the 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 trades the trades people model that Mm -hmm. might be 50 um i think that's the market for trucks 
and on that note, you know, endurance, it looks like they're out, you know, down and out, but with Foxconn merging or buying them, looks like Foxconn can build things. We know that they have the mass yep. uh, to do it. Looks like again, to go after that workplace marketplace, you know, that 45, 40 to $50,000 pickup truck that fleets need. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to deliver that. Yeah. I think all this uncertainty, Ken, is good for you and I, because yeah. we probably have about 10 more, 10 more seasons of podcasts just talking about new players, oh, where, what man. happened to these guys, you know, yeah. what's going on here. So it's a very exciting time. It's, it's a, you know, everybody wants answers and definitives, but it's, it's not that world. The EV world is one of uh, always shifting fans, it seems. Yeah. If I would have said to you, though, a couple of years ago that the most valuable company on the planet would be Tesla at a trillion dollar market cap, <laughs> you would have laughed harder than you're laughing yep. now. Um, what does that say about the EV industry? Whether we agree with that market it, cap or not. Yeah, I don't know if it's the EV industry as much as the the, the stock market yeah. industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not the guy to ask because I don't know high finance. And there's okay. something... I don't think I don't think there's anything nefarious. I think no. it's legitimate. Yep. Um, I think that 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 Musk is is a uh, you know visionary, whatever you want to call it. I'm you know I think he has visionary people working for him. Mm -hmm. I think he has a good vision and a clean a clear vision. Um, and I think in a world of uncertainties, I think Tesla is kind of stuck to their guns and produced vehicles that people love. I mean, you, you know, you, I know you own, you know, you own a Tesla, right? Yeah. Model three. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it yeah. last year. So, I mean, there's a bit of a, you know, I, I love Apple products. I've been, mm -hmm. I've been using Macs since probably the mid nineties and I'm mm -hmm. sold on them, but they, they drive me crazy sometimes because they break or, mm -hmm. you know, I always get the Apple warranties just simply because you have to, because something's going to go wrong yet. Mm -hmm. I'm still loyal to it. And I think with Tesla, there's a big element of that to it. It used to be in the old days in the fifties and sixties. You were a Ford family, you were a Chevrolet family, you know, and nobody bought anything else. If you would have bought one, your dad, if you bought a Chevy and you were a Ford family, your dad would disown you. That's right. Um, that kind of went out the window in the 70s and 80s when BMWs and Mazdas all came here and people started just going for different vehicles. I think Tesla in many ways has recaptured that loyalty for people. Totally agree with you. I mean, I, I again, I'm not a financial guy either, so I'm not going to comment on on the the valuations. But I can say that um, they whatever you know, Elon's a smart businessman. He knows what he's doing. He's got great people working for him. And when you have people that are again waiting now six months, eight months, a year or more uh, for a Tesla lining up, not physically but virtually, to buy these cars. It's a good problem to have, you know, for them that they've got this big book now that they can just continue to look at, at orders coming in and have to fulfill. They've ramped up uh, Giga Berlin. I think that they're actually in the in the late process of of beta prototypes, like almost production ready. If if not, had already got a few off model wise off the line. Uh, Austin, you know, is geared up for next year. Cybertruck will will be a twenty, you know, twenty two, late twenty twenty two. Um, but they're whatever, you know, they're doing it, they're doing it right. And as you said, it's something that people want. And that's really hard to figure out. And when you get it, you got to keep just giving it to them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no. Yeah, no question. So, um, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Um, everybody else is playing catch up. Yeah. That's for sure. I, you know, because I shake my head, like, you know, uh, Tesla starts at 50K roughly. I mean, that's not a cheap vehicle by any means. And yet, you nope. know, you got to wait six, eight months or a year, depending on on the model for it. So great for them. But and also finally that that valuation, again, it just shines another light on the industry saying, wow, EVs right. are legit. Like, look at this. Number yep. one, look at their brand went from 40th to 14th or something in 20 uh, this year. It's just phenomenal. And we have brands that have been around like Coke since the 20s or whatever, Coca-Cola. Uh, yep. These guys are, are gaining ground on them. So it's just incredible what's going on. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, I want to close it off with your thoughts on if we if we had to look at a crystal ball, give our thoughts about 2022. Um, we've kind of you know, talked a little bit about the supply chain. We know that that's going to continue to be a factor for OEMs. Um, uh, I think we discussed you know, about Ford and GM looking to start you know building chips together to help offset you know future potential issues that they may have, but. 
you know, other than we'll get more new vehicles, we'll get more announcements. Well, how do you see the industry kind of moving forward next year? We, we should hit about, I think the global plug-in number will be around roughly five to five and a half million globally, which is up from three something. So it's a significant increase. We won't see this doubling thing, but what what do you see maybe globally and then spin that down to Canada? What do you think like 2022 is going to do? Well, I think globally, I think, you know, we haven't talked about China here. No. Um, that That's certainly a place yeah. that we, you know, the, the numbers are, oh, are, huge. um, Huge there, right? I mean, they're 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 exponential numbers from yeah. from the rest of the markets, particularly Canada. So, yeah. I think in certain pockets you'll see EVs continue to actually maybe double in places um, from both a government um, kind of uh, will to make it happen to uh, demand. Uh, I think it's still you know what's what's going to hold it back is the inventory. I think mm-hmm. that that's the big unknown. It's always been a tough thing with EVs, right? As you and I have talked about on most seasons of my podcast, is it's the frustration of trying to get a Golf E. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted one. It was a year and a half to get one. And, and, and you could tell the, the, the Volkswagen wasn't even really committed to it because they didn't really build enough of them for That's the right. demand, right? So it was this kind of tease all the time. I don't think we're there now, but I think due to, as we talked about, the supply chains, the chip shortage, I think 2022 is still going to, not be the expected growth rate in Canada, particularly that we thought it would if we would have charted this three, four years ago, thinking it's just going to continue to climb. Um, that said, there are so many more vehicles coming, different brands, different models, different segments, that that might offset that. It's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, one thing I was thinking about in terms of just saying, where are the OEMs with this? Let's take Ford, for example. And this is very simplistic, but Ford needs chips to build their F-150, Lightning and gas model. When they get the chips come in, are they going to say, okay, we need to put these in the Lightning? Or are they going to say, we need to put these in the gas ones because that's where our margin is and our profit is? Or are they going to fulfill all the orders on the Lightning? Or are they going to, like they did with the Mach-E, delay it because of the chip? I think that will be very interesting to watch. Is where Ford's thinking is on that. Do they throw their weight behind the Lightning or do they continue to throw the weight on vehicles they know they're going to sell lots of the gas vehicle? Um, And I think a lot of manufacturers are going to have these face those kind of questions in the next year. So it should be telling those kind of decisions they make. It's a great observation. What's your pick on that Ford? What what do you think is going to happen on that example? Yeah, I think, I think they, I mean, part of me thinks that they're just going to appease shareholders and crank Mm -hmm. out the gasoline ones just to keep the money rolling in Mm -hmm. um, from a volume perspective. Um, But on the other hand, I think they've, like all these OEMs, they've committed to EVs. And if the lightning is a failure or is a perceived failure, that'll set them back years when everybody else seems to be going forward. So I think it's a real delicate dance for them. Um, I think what you'll see is they'll probably, out of the two models of the Lightning, the kind of higher end one, which I think is going to be about 60 or or about 70, 80 maybe, and then the trades one we talked about, which might be 40, 50, I I think they'll put most of those chips that are coming in. I think the, the um, benefit of, of putting them in the trade one will be better because they'll sell more of those. And it seems like that on the order sheet is what they've been asked for. So lots of, I'm sure, you know, lots of boardroom wrestling going on about this right now. Yeah, it's, it's a great observation. Um, and, and I asked that question because I just saw maybe oh, an hour ago or so uh, that Ford came out with a uh, announcement. I put it on my Twitter that, you know, they want to be the leader in EVs. They want to have 600,000 yeah. a year now. They want to beat Tesla. They're not going to beat them in anytime soon, but they could and they have the capability. Right. So then they're going to have to back it up by what you just said. When they get these chips right. in, where are they going to put them? If they're serious about EVs, they want to build 600,000 a year. They got to put these chips in EVs. But yeah, and they have to deliver. They have to deliver those vehicles, deliver right? Them. If people but, want them, yeah. and suddenly, you know, suddenly it's like the <laughs> Nissan area where it's five years later and we haven't seen it. Yeah. People, people get distracted and look away, and it's hard to get their attention again. So, yeah. Um, yeah. it's going to be. I mean, we've lived through you know interesting times, and I think we're just about to live through more. Absolutely, and just for the folks that are listening, you know, we're talking about Ford. 
if you don't know, you know, uh, the F-150s are built in, uh, um, in Michigan, um, if I remember correctly, in the plant. I forget the plant now. Um, but there's, they're built one every 53 seconds. 53 seconds comes <laughs> off the line. I watched a video on that. It's a, that's how many they build. And they're all booked. Like these aren't, these aren't just going to sit on dealers' lots. They're going to have a few, but that's how busy they are. So don't just think it's Tesla. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on. F-150 has got a huge marketplace, predominantly North America, predominantly U.S., but we love them here in Canada too. So it's a, you know, as Andrew said, it's a great, it's going to be interesting to see if Ford really puts their money and their, you know, the, their, where they're talking about publicly saying if they put those chips and in, in their, their, uh, their efforts behind the EVs, because this is where they have to make that hard decision. It'll be interesting. I, I haven't even thought about that. The rubber hits the road. I haven't rubber thought about that. And I'm going to watch that now like a hawk. And you and I are going to both talk about this <laughs> in a few months saying, what did they do? They went this way. They went left instead of right. Oh, well, you know, then that's yeah, their true yeah. colors. Interesting. Well, you know, as always, yeah. our time is coming to an end. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and get your expert comments. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, I was able to roll reverse here with you. Um, anything we can look forward to? This is your chance to plug your podcast. What should we look forward to? Yeah, well, uh, it's going to come. We're going to start season five, probably 12 episodes in January. Um, to be honest with you, I just lived through a fourth season of 21 episodes. So yeah. I'm kind of exhausted in terms of coming up with. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> guests and ideas, but um, it had it has great support, has um, great commentary for it. Um, Post Media has been a great partner in it with me. So um, just more EV stuff, and uh, and and I hope you'll uh, you'll come on for the fifth season, Ken, to share your expertise because I know uh, when you appear, it's it's always one of the more popular shows of the season. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You had me at hello. So you know that you don't have to, uh, you know, I'll be there for you. Not a prop at all. Andrew McCready, um, reporter in the automotive industry for over 20 years, tons of expertise. Please check them out. You're still doing the driving.ca stuff, correct? I am. I am. And my day yeah. job is I'm the editor of the Vancouver Sun um, and the province newspaper driving sections out here. Oh, is that all? So you're not really doing a whole heck of a lot then, right? You're halfway not, through retirement. <laughs> Busy guy, I know. That and, of course, as we just mentioned, another upcoming uh, season of the Post Media Podcast plugged in. I encourage people, if you haven't checked it out, go back, do a search, find it. It's a great podcast. He's had all kinds of excellent guests talking from unique perspectives on the EV landscape, not just in Canada. It all circulates to other parts of the world, the same kind of thinking. So as always, sir, a pleasure and an honor to have you on my show. I wish you the best for the upcoming holiday season because it's almost upon us and uh, we shall catch up in the new year, I guess. Absolutely, Ken. Thanks very much and all the best to you and yours and all your listeners too. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at evrevshow. I'm also on Instagram, evrevolutionshow. And if you uh, have any suggestions for shows, please let me know. Thanks again for listening, and please, everybody stay safe. And until the next time, I'll see you when I see you.